Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome back. It's been a while, and it's good to be gathered together again in the house of the Lord, isn't it? Let's open our service in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can be gathered together again today. And Father, we pray that you would bless this time together, that our worship would be found as something that is pleasing in your sight. And Father, we pray that your spirit would be here amongst us, would speak to us, and would guide us today. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Call to worship this morning is a responsive reading of Revelation 15, verses 2 to 4. I saw those who had been victorious over the beast and its image and over the number of its name. They held harps given them by God. And sang the song of God's servant Moses and of the Lamb. Just and true are your ways, King of the nations. For you alone are holy. First hymn this morning is number 65, Stand Up and Bless the Lord. Please stand and sing. come to our time of announcements, I want to thank everyone who supported us for our strawberry, um, it's not a strawberry antisocial, it's not a strawberry social, it was a strawberry dinner delight, that's what it was called. Um, and thank you to Star, or, uh, to Star and Summer, their team also for all of the work that they did, and for those who did deliveries as well, um, and we appreciate all the work that went into that. And so thank you to each of them. Um, as we've been away for a couple of weeks, we have some birthdays and anniversaries 
that we've missed that we want to make note of and celebrate. Uh, Ruth and Lloyd Hurley, um, they celebrated their 74th anniversary on the 16th. Pretty amazing. Uh, Marie Northgraves, uh, she had her birthday on the 20th. And uh, I think, don't get me wrong, but I think she turned 90. Uh, Lloyd Anderson had his birthday on the 20th as well. And then Jeff and Debbie Dean, their anniversary is coming up on July 1st, and that will be their 45th. And so uh, congratulations to everyone. Uh, Bible study, we were going to have our last session, but um, just through consensus, we are going to, uh, I will post the teacher's notes for those who are interested, but we are going to consider Bible study wrapped for this season, and then we will start something new in the fall. Um, I'm going to invite Fred Parsons to come up and talk about what's happening on Sunday, July 17th, as we're going to have a fellowship Sunday. So Fred, if you could come up, please. Good morning. Uh, on this past Thursday, we had our monthly board meeting, and one of the topics discussed was the Adventure Sunday. Uh, the Sunday when our pastor, for whatever reason, is unable to lead or be present for our worship service, and we are unable to book a guest speaker to fill in the, for the pastor. COVID presented us with a couple of these Sundays recently, and the Adventure Sunday was declared. It was noted at the meeting from my own experience, left to my own devices, I am become like a rudderless ship, and I just <laughs> drift off aimlessly. <laughs> it was agreed that resources and direction is needed, but more importantly, fellowship amongst the church family is one major factor that is missing. Fellowship is part of the glue that holds our church family together, and that is missing during the Adventure Sunday option. With this in mind, it was proposed that when this situation presents itself again, we declare a Fellowship Sunday. We will all meet at the church in the lower social area, and with fellowship in mind, take the opportunity to get to know each other more fully, catch up on how each other is doing, and generally make each other aware of our concerns and caring for each other. Now, here's the juicy part. This will be a B-Y-O-R-S event. Bring your own refreshment and snack. <laughs> a cup of coffee, a tea or juice or whatever you prefer, a donut or a bagel or whatever your snack you like. It could even be a thermos of coffee or a dozen donuts. And you could send the leftovers with, home with me. <laughs> this is designed to be a time of friendship conversation and exchange of information. Officially the time would begin at 10.30 and conclude at 11.30 a.m. We hope to formally open the time with a call to gather and an opening prayer and when we conclude to have a closing prayer and everything in between will be up to you. We the board are hopeful that these times will prove beneficial and enlightening for all of our church family. On July 17th, as Pastor Carl mentioned, three weeks from now, our pastor will be away. It was hoped that a speaker could be secured, but we couldn't get a confirmation. So this will be an opportunity to exercise our first Fellowship Sunday. There will be more information sent out, and uh, there will be more details on our church website. So if there are any questions, 
you know, can contact any of the board members after the service or through this time. And stay tuned. Thank you. Thanks so much, Fred, for sharing with us. Appreciate that. And so that will be our first fellowship Sunday. We'll be on July 17th. And so um, just encourage you to come out and take part in that. I will be also away on July 24th, and Stephen Neal is coming to be our speaker for that day. Stephen has spoke here in the past, but it's been a few years. And uh, I asked him if he would send us a picture and a bio, and he hasn't had a chance to get back to me on that yet. So I went and creeped his Facebook wall and found this lovely picture of his family. And so uh, good old technology, you got to love it. I will also be away in August, on Sunday, August 28th, and so Matt Racher will be coming to speak, and so I will, that will be a, a great day as well. Um, I have had the privilege of um, being a mentor for Matt as he's seeking to learn about pastoral life, and uh, he's been doing some fill-in work out at Eden, and so he is available to come and speak to us on the 28th, and so that'll be delightful. And you might recognize his wife, Yvonne. She works at the Upper Deck, and she came here one time to talk about the Upper Deck as well. Are there any other announcements that I have missed? Okay, great. Um, as, just as a reminder as well, it's important that we continue to give the ongoing work of the Kingdom of God, and that for our May and June missions, we have our Sending Kids to Camp, um, I forgot to ask Star for an update as to how our money is coming along, um, but please remember that if you want to give over and above your regular offerings towards Camp Oneida, that would be really appreciated. For the, yes, Brenda. Well over 500? All right, well, let's see if we can move this kid. I'm not sure how the kid moves. This could go poorly, but we'll try and be careful about it. It's a clip. Summer. You know how I do this? Oh, there we go. Somewhere around here. That's a really cool clip. What a smart idea, Summer. <laughs> awesome. Very good. That's wonderful news. And um, also, as a very personal plea on behalf of Beth and myself, we are still looking for three male leaders. And so we really need those for our camp. And those are going to be people that will stay in a cabin overnight. So if there's anybody that you can think of that you know that would be good for us to approach, um, we would really appreciate that. Um, it's from July 10th to the 15th. And, so, and also, please be praying for all of the camp season as well and all of the campers that are coming. Uh, Beth, how many campers are at our camp this year so far? 36 registered for our camp. So it's going to be a full camp. And um, so we really do need those other three male leaders, though, to be able to, to look after our kids properly. So um, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to be part of the, the vision and the mission of your work in this world. We thank you for the opportunity to give to the church, Father, to help to promote the work of Goshen Baptist Church. Father, help us to be faithful stewards of all that you've given. And Father, help us to continue to grow. Help us to reach out to those around us who are in need. 
may we share with them the message of good news that comes through this church, through our own lives and the way that you have worked in our lives. For the gospel is not only the good news that Jesus Christ has saved those who seek it, and it's open for all who would trust in him, but also the work that you do in our lives, the way that you have shown up and have impacted our own lives. May we remember that that is also good news and share that with those around us. May we have the courage to invite others to join us into this family of faith. Father, we ask that you would bless all of the giving and we ask that you would bless Camp Oneida this season. Father, we pray that you'd provide all of the leaders and guards that we need. And Father, that you would have it be a time of blessing, that kids would come to know you and would be drawn closer to you in this time. Father, we ask that you would bless all that we do in your name. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our next chorus that we're going to sing together is number 34, He is Lord. Please stand. As we come to our time of praying together today, I wanted to give you some updates on some people that we have been praying for. Uh, we've been praying for Lyle Kraft, and he is back home, and he is doing a little bit better. Um, he had a problem with his sodium or salt levels, and they still haven't been able to get them up to where they would like them to be. But um, he's now walking with a walker, which provides a little more stability for him. And so um, just continue to keep Lyle and Elsie in your prayers, please. Uh, but uh, we will be taking his name off of our list. Um, Helen Wheeler, who is Tina Sawatsky's sister, um, and she is kind of stabilized, and so she had a stroke, and um, we have been praying for her, but uh, Tina has said that her name can come off of the list as well. Um, also, Wilson Doreen continues to have um, some pretty tough health struggles, so let's continue to be praying for him. Um, and... Uh, He's sort of stabilized a little bit, but he still um, needs our prayers as well. Um, is there anybody else that we've been praying for that we have any updates for? We haven't heard how Roger's doing. I haven't been in touch with him lately. Okay. Doing a little better? Good. Okay. All right. Thank you, Carrie. Well, <laughs> that's possible. He's doing what he's not supposed to be doing. Uh, that tends to be a guy thing, too, I think. <laughs> but anyways, all right. Well, thank you for that update. Appreciate it. Uh, I did stop in briefly to drop off uh, strawberry dinners for Lloyd and 
Alma Anderson, and um, I'm having a visit with them next week, so I don't really have any update on them. I think probably about doing about the same. All right, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we bring before you today our friends and our family, uh, people that we care about and people in need of your touch. Father, we thank you that Lyle is back home. And Father, we pray that you continue to watch over him and Elsie and you would care for them. Father, we continue to pray for Wilson Doreen and Father, we pray that he would get the proper help that he would need. And Father, we pray for a restoration of his health. And he would be with Joan in the midst of it all and that you would care for them. Father, we continue to pray for um, Lloyd Anderson. And Father, we thank you that uh, he's kind of stabilized and pray that you just continue to watch over him and Alma and that you would meet their needs. Father, we thank you that uh, Helen Wheeler has kind of stabilized and Father, we pray that you would continue to watch over her. We thank you that she's in a place that provides well for her and Father, we thank you for the support that she has there. Father, we uh, thank you that Roger is uh, feeling up to uh, being out and around on his tractor and we pray that you continue to just bring him to complete healing. We continue, Father, to pray for June Chambers as well and for the daily pain that she wrestles with. Pray that you would alleviate her pain. Father, we continue to pray for those who are battling cancer. Laura Hawkins, Kim McKibben, Albert Hardiman, Steve Coke. Louise Groom. And Father, we pray for healing for them. And they would be with their families and the challenges that they face as they go through this time. Father, we also continue to lift up Kevin Kauk and the healing that he needs for his legs. And Father, we continue to pray for Dave Callahan and his many health challenges. And we pray that you would miraculously intercede and bring him healing. Father, we continue to pray for those who are within our family of faith. And today we continue to lift up Villanova Baptist Church and their pastor, Andrew Bunner, and also Green Hills Christian Fellowship York, our sister church in the CBOQ. Father, we pray for blessing for them. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may or may not have uh, remembered that way back a long time ago, I went to assembly, and uh, that was a great time that we had together, other than me picking up COVID. Um, it was a good time, and uh, we had a fantastic speaker. He was Gordon T. Smith. He's a professor of uh, Ambrose University in Calgary, and he talked about the importance of hospitality in the church, not just with one another within the church, but what is our hospitality like to those outside of the church? And so um, I have two of his books that I picked up. This one is called Welcome Holy Spirit, and it's about the role of the Holy Spirit in hospitality. And then the other one I have is uh, about um, living in Babylon. And so the idea is that our, as Christians today, it's similar to what Israel experienced when they went into Babylon, that there's a world that is completely different in faith 
than what they themselves had. And it's called Wisdom from Babylon. And so both books uh, will be available. I'm reading the other one right now, but this one can be borrowed. And um, if you're not familiar with the, the fact we have the, there's a whole library of books that are there to be borrowed, all I ask you to do is sign them out. And uh, if there's anything you want to borrow, please help yourself. Our next song that we're going to sing together today is Great and Mighty, number 129. Please stand. Scripture this morning is Revelation 13, verses 1 to 18, or the whole chapter. <laughs> the dragon stood on the shore of the sea, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea. It had ten horns and seven heads, with ten crowns on its horns, and on each head a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was filled with wonder and followed the beast. People worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast, and they also worshipped the beast and asked, Who is like the beast? Who can wage war against it? The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise its authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. It was given power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And it was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All inhabitants, inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Whoever has ears, let them hear if anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity they will go. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword they will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. Then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. It exercised all the authority of the first beast on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. And it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in full view of the people. Because of the signs it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast, it deceived the inhabitants of the earth. It ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. The second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. It also forced 
all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads, so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. That number is 666. Thank you so much, Scott, for reading that very long passage. There is a lot in the book of Revelation. There is a lot that we can read and wonder about. But let's do a little bit of review. Remember that the book of Revelation was given to us with this purpose in mind. As it states in the opening, it's the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave to his servants. Uh, God gave him to his servants to show... Oh, gosh. Two weeks off and I can't speak anymore. Let's try that again. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him, to show his servants what must soon take place. And we ask questions of this. When we come to the book of Revelation, we have questions. Sometimes that's what brings us there in the first place. The first question we may be brought with is, is this the end? We look around us and we see the way things are different than they used to be. And maybe it makes us wonder that, is this the end? Is Jesus' return imminent? And we talked about that, that it's coming, but we're not there yet. Then we ask the question, what happens to the faithful? And we've looked at that a little bit. What happens to those who are faithful in Christ? And then what about the wicked and the godless? We looked at that as well. What happens to them? And we looked at a little bit of that. Then we saw these signs that John had seen in the sky, that of a, a dragon and a pregnant woman, and we unpacked, what do these signs mean? I always love stories that have a fictional creatures, and, and the dragon is this scary and powerful creature, and yet not so powerful that will overtake us. I love monster stories. I've always loved monster stories. If they're in the movies, if it's books, I love monster stories. Uh, Lord of the Rings is full of these incredible monsters, right, that they have. There's the Balrog, this big demon-like creature. And, and then playing, excuse me, Dungeons and Dragons when I was a kid, that was part of the appeal. I mean, when I was a kid and I first opened the pages of Revelation, and there's these fantastic creatures. <coughs> excuse me, would somebody mind grabbing me a glass of water? Apparently my throat is not going to hold out. <coughs> Um, thank you. See if I can get some oxygen in there. <coughs> so what happens when I get excited about creatures, apparently. Um, and so the, the wilder they are, the more fascinating I find them. And, and then with the technology we have today in movies, these creatures seem so real when they're on the screen. And it's so appealing. But like I say, when I was a teenager, we, with my buddy Bob, we would read these stories out of Revelation, these dragons and these beasts that come out of the earth and the sea, and it's like, ooh, so cool. Who knew the Bible had such cool stuff? So if there was a story with ferocious monsters, you know, that is a key piece for me. There has to be some personal struggle too, right? If we remember Lord of the Rings, there's Aragorn, and, and he is... He's basically become a nobody. He's this 
guy who comes up out of nowhere. He's this ranger. And then you find out he's the king in the end, right? There's this personal struggle that he goes through and having his sword reforged. And he becomes this amazing king in the end. Personal struggle. Overcoming odds, right? There's, if you're reading the Lord of the Rings or watching the movies, there's the ring wraiths, right? These nasty, horrible creatures that scream and ride horses and it's terrifying stuff. But they overcome the odds when you think there's no way to escape it. Great stories. They're always overcoming the odds. And for me, one of the things I don't love about some modern stories that they tell today is when they don't have the good guys win. To me, a good story, the good guys always win. Thank you. Oh, that's a very fancy cup, too. <laughs> I'll do it correctly. I'll stick my pinky out, too. Thank you, my love. To me, this is the stuff of great stories. This is why Revelation appealed to me when I was a teenager. But the reality is sometimes we will read these stories and recognize this is just isn't some fiction written by Tolkien or C.S. Lewis. This is something real that's going to happen. We don't know necessarily what it's going to look like. But sometimes it can be terrifying when we read about these creatures. Well, as I told you, we, we can't cover everything in seven weeks. There's a lot in Revelation, but we will cover everything in seven weeks, if not sequential. Uh, we may have had a couple of weeks off, but overall, within seven weeks, we are going to finish Revelation. And today, we're going to go through a big chunk, chapters 13 through 18, where it has these beasts, and then it talks about Babylon as well. We have the two beasts. We have the mark of the beast, which I'm sure that if anybody is curious about Revelation, one of the things they're curious about is what is the mark of the beast? Um, it talks about this harvest as well. There's two harvests that happen within these chapters. There is the bowls of God's wrath that are poured out upon humanity. And then there's this talk of a place called Babylon. Maybe the question is, when we read these things, how can we recognize them? How can we know that we've got the beast correct? How can we know what is the mark of the beast? How can we know what is Babylon? These are the questions that come to our mind. Well, let's try and unpack them a little bit this morning. First of all, we have the beast from the sea. We have the dragon who represents Satan. The sea represents chaos in the ancient world. A lot of people didn't swim. And so if you went out on the sea and there was a storm and your boat sank, so did you. It was dangerous. It was chaos. The description we find that Scott read for us is that it had ten horns heads with ten crowns on its horns and on each head a blasphemous name. And we might wonder, what on earth was John seeing? What was this about? It means something. What does it mean? Well, perhaps we remember that this sounds a lot like the dragon description that we had back in chapter 12. It was enormous and red, and it had seven heads with crowns, with ten horns. And we had a spoiler alert, didn't we? We went back from chapter 12 right ahead to 17, which we're now covering. And it talks about something strange, the strange sight that John sees in his vision. I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names, had seven heads and ten horns, it sounds the same. If we read on in chapter 17, we find out that 
John has this revealed to him by the messenger. It says, the seven heads are seven hills on which the woman sits. All right, let's grab our Bibles and turn to chapter 17 of Revelation. And we're going to look at a little passage of verses 3 to 6. The nice thing about reading out of Revelation is you know where to find it. It's the last book in the Bible. Chapter 17, starting at verse 3. Then the angel carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold precious stones, and pearls. Back in the ancient times, anybody that wore purple was rich because what it took to make that purple dye was extremely rare and expensive. So this woman was decked out. She held a golden cup in her hand filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. The name written on her forehead was a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of God's holy people, the blood of those two, three, four, five, six, and seven hills, a woman sitting on seven hills. To us, it seems mysterious. To them, they go, well, that's Rome, because this says underneath it, Roma. And Rome itself was considered like a goddess, this woman who sat on seven hills else going on. What was filled with her cup? It was the blood of martyrs. Christians who had been killed for their faith. And she drank it like it was wine in this vision. The messenger goes on to say that there are also seven kings. These seven hills in the vision also represent seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. Rulers in John's day but also remember, the mystery of Revelation is that what happens there also represents something in the, the future, something that's going to come. When he does come, he must remain only for a little while. There was a ruler that would only remain for a little while. The beast who once was and now is not is an eighth king. He belongs to the seven and is going to his destruction. That's also what the symbolism of these hills are about and the beast that was beneath them. As we note, in John's day, this is the Roman Empire. It is the world power that it's representing. But the beast beneath it is the dragon. It's Satan. This is a reminder to us that no matter what happens, no matter how ugly things get, no matter how demonic the powers are that come into power, it is Satan that is behind them. It is built on his power. No matter whether it's a Caesar of those days or kings or rulers yet to come. What about the blasphemous names? What's the deal with that? Why would they be covered in blasphemous names? Well, back in Roman times, they would call themselves names that belonged to God only. They would refer to themselves as God or as the Son of God. Some Caesars refer to themselves as Lord and God. These are titles that only belong to the Almighty God. 
and yet they wore them themselves as Savior, and so on. Those who are yet to come, uh, the ultimate ruler, the final Antichrist, will put themselves up as a Messiah, a Savior of the world. Who knows, but they might call themselves these titles as well. In the last days, this first beast that is described is the Antichrist. And First John, in his letter to the people, he reminds us that there are Antichrists that have come, and there are Antichrists that will yet come, those who oppose Christ. But there will be a final Antichrist. As Scott read for us in this description, in the vision it resembled a leopard and had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. This is significant. The leopard, if we think about it, the shape of a leopard is sleek and stealthy. This antichrist will be sleek and stealthy. If we think about the paws of a bear, I should have shared the picture that I saw on Facebook recently. There was a woman holding a bear that had been um, put asleep, and the paw, and it was like that. <coughs> Excuse me. They are powerful creatures. If you've ever had one break into your cottage, you will know that they can do a lot of damage. Bear claws are used for rending. They are used for reaching. That's what this person will be like. Tearing things apart. A powerful reach that will be hard to get beyond. The mouth of a lion. Used for tearing. And also terrifying. The roar of a lion. If you are out in the wilds of Africa and you hear the roar of a lion, you better hope that it's a long way off. Right? You don't want it close. Powerful creatures. All three are powerful predators that describe this antichrist that is ferociously fearless. It is what this person will be like. The description that Scott read for us tells us as well that one of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. And it's hard to know exactly what that means. It could be that they had some serious, they will have some serious thing happen to them, an attempt on their life perhaps. It could mean an economic recovery where it was a, if it's representing somebody in power that they seem to have their economy fall apart, but suddenly it comes back. It could be military, you know, that they seem like they're getting wiped out and suddenly they come back. It could be a personal attack, somebody who goes through something, nearly dies, and then comes back. We know that in the end times, this Antichrist will be worshipped and will point worship towards Satan himself. Maybe not in an obvious way, but we know this will be true. And the beast, this person, will be functionally worshipped. Whether we actually worship them or not, well, hard to say. If we look at any kind of popular person in our culture today, don't people pretty much worship them? If we think about it, right? If somebody is popular, they buy all their paraphernalia, they talk about how amazing they are. Like, it's, it's funny to me when I hear about some celebrity and people say, oh, they're so awesome. And you don't even really know them. You've never met them. All you know is what the persona of them that you get. They will be worshipped whether that is literal or effectively worshipped by their behavior. This person will have incredible military power. 
Incredible power over the people. When they say, who is like this person? Who is like the beast? Let's flip over to Psalm 89 for some insight here. And we're going to look at verses 5 through 8. What we will find about the beast is that people will treat him like he is their own God. But here's the proper perspective for us as believers. The heavens praise your wonders, Lord, your faithfulness too in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? In the council of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all who surround him. Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty, and your faithfulness surrounds you. As believers, this is the perspective that we need to have. This is what we reserve for God, and yet, in the days of the final Antichrist, that's how they will speak of this person that is to come. This person will be proud, will be blaspheming, saying lies about God, will be slandering Christians. You better believe that untrue things will be said about those who put their trust in God. You'll be dominating the world and conquering. As was read for us, this will happen over a term of 42 months. Some take that literally, that 42 months, perhaps you remember, would be the same as the 1260 days that this woman that was symbolized for us flees into the wilderness. It works out to... Three and a half years. Now, when I'm reading Charles Colson's commentary, he thinks that is a literal three and a half years. It's possible. We don't know. It's a time. So even when the Antichrist comes, and even when the terrible things happen under him, we can have assurance in knowing that it's for a limited time. When we look into Revelation and we see the devil goes back down to the earth, we know that his time is short. But here are these words that are given to us. If we are to face this in our own day, if anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity they will go. If anyone is to be killed with a sword, with a sword they will be killed. It will be a time unlike any that we have ever seen. The second beast that comes out of the earth is described that it has two horns like a lamb but it spoke like a dragon. So in other words, it seems like Jesus. Kind of looks like a lamb. Seems like a lamb. But sounds like Satan. We see in the story that it was written for us, his vision that he exercised authority and he evoked false worship. This second beast is able to do supernatural signs, wonders, miracles to try and deceive people, even calling down fire from heaven, whether that means literal fire or lightning perhaps. Regardless, it'll be incredible what this person can do. But he'll be a deceiver. And he ends up creating idols and making them speak. If we read about the rest of it, 
time that we haven't had to read today. Idols that can actually seem to speak, whether they do that probably through deception. Or possibly, in ancient times, they even spoke of idols that did speak, but it was demonic powers within them. Everybody will be forced to worship them. The beast and Satan. <coughs> Excuse me. And then there will be this forced mark. What will this mark be like? Well, once again, we have another little spoiler alert. We're going to jump ahead to chapter 19 that tells us who this person is. Who is this second beast? It's not really a beast, it's a person. Well, it tells us the beast was captured, and with it, the false prophet who had performed the signs on its behalf. Why do we need to know the word of God so well? Why do we need to have it buried in our hearts? Why do we need to be faithful to what the Bible says and not what we want it to say? Because there will be false prophets that come and try and tell us that it means something different. There will be an ultimate false prophet that will take the word of God and does who knows what to it. We will be encouraged do terrible things as a culture. The second beast is the false prophet. So what about the mark of the beast? Here we go. Let's have some fun. There have been a lot of ideas as to what the mark of the beast is about, and it's really hard to know. Is this something that's going to be stuck on our forehead? Perhaps you remember the sin card that we all have, right? Uh, the social insurance number. It's obviously the mark of the beast. It's, it's called sin, right? And people seriously thought, this is the mark of the beast. After all, you can't get a job without it, right? You have to have this sin card. Some people thought maybe that was it. There you go, sin, S-I-N. Oh, and then UPC codes came out. Obviously, those are the mark of the beast. And people went to great lengths to try and explain how they thought that this was the mark of the beast because of the way that everything was organized on a UPC code. If you do just a little bit of research, you can see that it doesn't add up at all. Although some people were concerned that we would end up wearing UPC codes. Maybe. Who knows? I don't think that's it yet. And then there's the vaccine, of course. The vaccine is obviously the mark of the beast. Um, you know, everybody that gets the vaccine, did you know that in the vaccine, there's this little pill thing that is going to have 666 on it, and it's going to be the mark of the beast. Baloney. The mark of the beast will be an implanted microchip that they're going to stick into your hand. I can't tell you how completely helpful it would be to be microchipped. I can't stand having a wallet full of cards and cash that sometimes you have to go and get for things. If I was chipped, it would be so handy. You don't have to pull out your health card when you go to the... Uh, go and get your like to the doctors or anything like that. They just scan you. Super handy. Could it be a microchip? I don't know. Maybe. But not yet. Oh, there we go. This funny thing, the QR code. Right now we have to have one of those. Or we did, right? Back a few weeks ago, a couple months ago, maybe people were saying this is the mark of the beast because you have to show your QR code to get in everywhere. Except what happened. Now you don't. So it's not the mark of the beast. What can we know about the mark of the beast? Well, first of all, if it's a literal mark that goes on our hands and on our head, 
It will come at the denial of Jesus Christ. There is no question about this. The mark of the beast means that you have denied Christ. There's no middle ground for this. And it would be a worshiper symbol. If it was a literal thing. Maybe they'll even use something that's fluorescent and only shows up under black light so they scan your head and your hand. I don't know. What happens if it's figurative? What happens if the mark of the beast is something that's figurative? It still involves the denial of Christ, but it's really about worldly compromise. When we put the things of Satan ahead of the things of Christ, Remember, as it says in Revelation, they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. I think it's going to be a literal thing. The reality is that this is coming, regardless. That it will involve a choice. You will have to choose, am I going to be true to Christ or not? And it will come at a cost to all of us. As John wrote in his first letter, Dear children, this is the last hour, and you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. Even in John's day, there were those who stood in opposition to Christ, killing Christians. The Apostle Paul, before he became Saul, Saul before he became Paul, sorry, that's what he did. There's one more to come. I want to take us through one last section here of Scripture. And these are the words of Jesus as his disciples were asking him about the end times. Mark 13, starting at verse 5. Jesus said to them, and these are words to us as well, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, don't be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. As Marlene Clemens had shared with us in our Bible study time, a good reminder is that birth pains, as they begin, they're kind of a little bit spread out, these events. But the closer it gets to the final event, the closer they are in event, the closer they are to each other. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given to you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. What do we need to say? Don't worry, the words will be given to us. It will be heart-rending. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Their life will not be saved in this way. Their soul will be saved with Christ. 
When you see the abomination that causes desolation, standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand, and that would be, look back at Daniel and remember what happened then. When a pagan king and power came into the temple and sacrificed, set up idols of himself, something will happen in Jerusalem, I believe, where you will see something that will blow your mind if you are still alive at the time in a bad way. Let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the housetop go down or enter the house to take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to get their cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in winter because those days, those will be days of distress unequaled from the beginning. No matter what you have seen or what this world has been through, it will be worse. When God created the world until now and never to be equaled again, if the Lord had not cut, those, cut short those days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect, even those of us who believe. So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. And he goes on and describes some of the signs that we see right in Revelation. Let's flip over to verse 27. At that time, or 26. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. You see, when Jesus returns, he's not going to do it in a subtle way. We're not going to suddenly say, oh, the, the, did you hear that the Messiah showed up in Langton? It's not going to be like that. When Jesus returns, everybody's going to see it in the sky. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. And so he goes on to say that these signs will show us as well about his return. Let's drop down to verse 32. About that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. Drop down to verse 35. Keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will be coming back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows are at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to, to you, I say to everyone, watch. We do not know the time that this will come. Jesus tells us it will be a time of unequaled persecution. So in all of this, how should we react? Should we be scared? Should we be terrified? Should we be angry? Like some people are that we hear about in the States in particular, our, our friends, the neighbors to the, to the States where we get some of the crazy ones, who are getting their bunkers ready and all of their weapons so that they can fight. The way that we overcome is through the blood of Jesus Christ and the Lamb. The way that we overcome is peace. The way that we will overcome is through our own martyrdom, not through fighting. And what about this mark of the beast? I feel firmly convicted that we will know 
when the time comes. It will not come upon us in a subtle way. It will not be something that we can mistake. We will know when it is the mark of the beast, if it is a physical thing. But if it's not a physical thing, this morning ask yourselves, have you compromised or capitulated to the ways of this world, to the ways of Satan instead of putting Christ first? We are called to be a people of the word and a people of peace. And Revelations tells us to be prepared, to be faithful, to be assured that God is still in control and will remain so, no matter what we face. To be strong, even when there are beasts that come against us. And finally, to be steadfast. To hang on, no matter what we go through. For what waits for us is a glory that is amazing. Jesus said, look, I am coming soon. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come. Let us respond together, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have the ability to have this come upon us without any kind of surprise. Let us not be held in fear of the things to come. Let us not be concerned that we might mistakenly take the mark. Let us be people of faith, people that hold true to your word. Help us to be steadfast no matter what we face. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn together today is number 682, a great reminder of who we seek to lead our lives. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah. Please stand.
What a great reminder, what a hope that we have that lies in store for us. This idea of Canaan is the promised land, the place that we go when our lives are over. So let us go forth from this time not afraid, not angry, but steadfast in the love of Christ. Steadfast on the word of God that we can stand our lives upon. And go forth in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.